Welcome. I'm Kevin Miller, and this podcast is called Self Helpful because not all self help is helpful. I'm your curator, critic, and translator of the best and brightest minds in the self help world today. How to build character the stoic way. Each of us wakes up every day and engages in a way of life. It's either one we've chosen or one we've allowed ourselves to fall into. Though in truth, none of us ever lives a perfect day, so we're all then on the spectrum of living how we intentionally want and living at the mercy of our appetites and ignorance. The more aware, decided, and convicted we are to a way of life we uphold and are dedicated to, the more we will fall on the healthier side of that spectrum. As Tanner Campbell and I discussed at the outset of our initial talk together in episode 1143, stoicism can be said to be a state of mind, but in this episode, as we're discussing Tanner's personal efforts to live a stoic life, we unwrap the pursuit of an aspiring way of life. This is my values, motives, and habits episode, part two of this series on Tanner Campbell and the topic of stoicism. Tanner Campbell is an American philosopher of Stoicism whose goal is to clear up contemporary misconceptions about Stoicism with a focus to uphold what virtue is. He shares this daily in his Practical Stoicism podcast, which has quickly catapulted to the top podcast rankings. Here, Tanner talks through his pursuit of Heracles' concept of circles of concern, which radiates outward from family to friends, community, non-human animals, and the environment. And in Tanner's desire for personal awareness, his mantra is asking, what does this action or thought say about my character? And who can I walk alongside and be helpful to in a meaningful way? In discussing health and wellness, Tanner cites this area is not a strong suit, but his motive is in asking himself now, if I don't care about my health, what does it say about my character? This and more coming up in this values, motives, and habits episode with Tanner Campbell around the topic of a stoic way of life. Friends, thank you for tuning in. The Self-Helpful Podcast was founded through the Zig Ziglar Corporation, and this June 15th through the 16th of 2023, I'll be in Dallas to attend and speak at the Ziglar Coach Summit. If you're looking to influence people for the better, professionally and personally, I invite you to join us. The first 10 people who register and say you heard about it from me, I'm taking you to dinner. Go to Ziglar, Z-I-G-L-A-R.com slash Coach Summit. This podcast exists to help you find and understand the guidance and counsel that will help you elevate your personal experience of life and the way you show up for others. Following these sponsors who help make the show possible and provide great resources for your life, I bring you Tanner Campbell and a walk through his values, motives, and habits as flavored by a pursuit of a stoic way of life. And you can tune in to his Practical Stoicism podcast wherever you get your podcast for Tanner's daily stoic meditations, commentary, and guidance. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill 
bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tanner, we, we got pretty, uh, at the beginning of part one, talking together, we got into some of the spiritual aspects of stoicism and talked about that and Christianity throughout all that. But I know that's been a part of your journey. Matter of fact, I heard that on the show that you were just interviewed on and that you came from a, I'm going to say, it seems like a fairly staunch atheist uh, perspective. And then maybe aren't in the same camp now, but I'll ask you, where are your values? Where are you spiritually? Sure. Um, I'm still at a point where, so the Stoic God, which we talked about a little bit before, is essentially the universe. The universe is the God, and because because organisms need to be well-structured in order to continue to be sustained, there's an idea in Stoicism that the universe being part of the animal that we call the universe uh, is structured in a logical and potentially caring way. Now, because you don't pray to this God, because you don't donate money to this God, because there are no, you know, there's no politicization of different sects of this God, right? I don't feel like believing in the quote unquote stoic God is at odds with me being an atheist, which might sound odd because God is in in the word Stoic God, right? <laughs> uh, but I still I still feel like one can be an atheist and at least in contemporary terms and believe in the Stoic God. I might change, uh, you know, soon enough. But that's where I'm at for now. Well, I'll, I'll pick into it because as we look at spirituality, I mean, I have so many people on the show, and you know, psychiatrists and scientists and you know, professors, and at the core, you know, it's it's again the category spiritual, not religious. And when we talk about spiritual, and as I look at how you have helped me understand and define stoicism, there's almost an aspect. Matter of fact, I, I thought about this when we talked the first time of AA. You know, they stay within AA and the the power and structure and ethos of AA. They recognize a higher power. And to me, I, I, I come to that first with spirituality before we get into the religious aspect or a specific God or a deity or, or, or whatever is just the acknowledgement of something greater going on beyond ourselves. And it feels like that is an essence of stoicism, that there is a greater purpose beyond me. Is that fair? Hmm. Yes, there's a greater greater purpose beyond the self, 
But the Stoics are, and I am, uh, they're corporealists, which means if something exists, it's a body. It's a physical body. Uh, and if something doesn't not exist, I think is the way that they phrase it. And this is getting heavy, heavy into the cosmology and physics of, of Stoicism, which I am not prepared to do on this podcast. <laughs> you probably lose uh, me probably, too, but that's okay. It's still, it's, it's relevant. Yeah. Well, probably and honestly, because I don't understand it well enough at this point to be able to speak on it authoritatively or authoritatively. And, I, and, I, and so I won't, but there is no, uh, there is no higher power plane of existence in Stoicism. It doesn't exist. Everything is a body, a physical body within the universe. But if you're asking me in general, if I think there's a a, a greater purpose, absolutely. I think that, and we didn't talk about this actually in that segment, but the Stoics have something called the circles of concern. Uh, and I, I want to say that the person who initiated this was Heracles, I think, and I've probably got that wrong, but the Stoic circles of concern are concentric circles. And at the center, it starts with the self. And then outward from there, you have uh, family, then you have friends, then you have community, and then Kai Whiting and Leonidas Konstantikos added another circle. And I want to say 2018 or maybe earlier than that uh, for uh, animals and non non-human animals and the biosphere so to speak the environment and the idea of the stoic circles of concern is that you are always efforting to bring the most the, the next concentric circle into your circle so you can't make your family yourself but you can make your friends more like your family and you can make your community more like your friends and you can make the environment more like your community. And you're trying to pull these concentric circles into one circle, which is, which is of course probably not possible in totality. Right. But it's something you're always trying to do. And, and I think that in that way, the Stoics view the greater good as let's say, doing that as well as you can. So we're always trying to think of others in the same way and with the same care that we think of ourselves. Well, yeah. So greater power, uh, that's interesting if we come to greater purpose, because it does feel like the stoic way stoicism is a back to the roles that you talked about. I really appreciate that. I've got, it's got me thinking about that on recognizing and accepting the roles that we choose, that we come into, that we accept, and being responsible to those is, again, uh, to me, a core spirituality is it's not just me. Life is not just about taking care of my own, but even virtue. It's what's virtuous to the greater good. And if the, as you said, of the body, it's the body next to me, the body in my community like that. And I appreciate that family, friends, community, non-human animals, and the environment that are I get that from even just a cursory reading of, you know, Marcus Aurelius is there is a great responsibility. I'd say even reverence for humanity. Uh, yes. And for nature as well. Uh, it, it's common that it's unfortunately common that the deeper someone dives into stoicism, the more it can seem if people are, if people kind of recoil at terms like global warming or and, and human responsibility to that, they might find Stoicism to be a bit contentious for them because the Stoics would ask us to look at how we treat our immediate environment or the broader envir environment as a whole and ask what that treatment says of our character. It's one of the things that's been really helpful for me, not relative to the environment specifically, but in Stoicism, always asking myself, and this is probably, maybe this is my mantra, right? We could say that. All right. 
asking myself, what does this action, what does this thought say of my character? Uh, and Kai Whiting and I have had a conversation a couple of times about, you know, we, we paint this example of, well, let's say you're aware that fossil fuel burning cars are just generally not good for the immediate environment. Like they might not be good for the lake next to your house or something like that. Like we don't have to think globally. We can think locally. Is it appropriate for you to do something like put solar panels on your house or get a, you know, get an electric car? Is that the appropriate thing to do? Well, maybe, but also maybe not, because let's say you live in a really rural area and you have to drive, you know, a hundred miles to work. And, and if you install all of the necessary electric things, well, you're just drawing from the electric power plant next to you anyway, which is burning fossil fuels. So is it any better or are you just making yourself feel better? So just, I constantly am asking myself, is the thing I'm doing, is the thing I'm thinking, is the way I'm acting reflective of someone with a good character. And the way I answer that question is, is I have to break down kind of the way I did in that silly little example. I have to break down as to what is the most appropriate thing to do given my roles, given my geography, given my situation, given my responsibilities. And I think that's, I mean, we started this conversation by talking about uh, maybe before we we actually hit record what my beliefs were and, and what my values were. And I think that that's that right there is at the center of all my beliefs and values is and shouldn't be surprising to you at this point because virtue is the only good right have been we've we've talked yeah. about that uh, that my first question to myself is what does this say of my character and is this something a virtuous person would do? Yeah, that that's what I just wrote down is is the aspect of you know if I am asking you to define your spirituality in essence it is virtuousness, yeah. which yes. is. Yeah. It feels by pro- well when we read the definitions of those and it goes into morality that is defined, isn't it, as unto the community, the greater good, in essence. Well, if it's so, just us. It's hard to define or to even have a morality. Yeah, so it is kind of a it's an odd two way street. Both sides seem to be a reflection of each other, but you are ultimately focused on developing virtue. But in developing virtue, you necessarily have all of the things you must interface with. And they are, you can think of um, how to treat your, how to treat your spouse, how to treat your children, how to deal with stress, how to handle your job. You can think of those all as nexuses at which my desire personally to develop a virtuous character is able to be exercised. So it requires, so, so virtue is, it is somewhat me centric, but that doesn't matter because in order for me to achieve it, I have to be in service to the cosmopolis. I have to be in service to my brother or sister or family or friends, et cetera. Well, and again, I like those circles as you talked about that we're trying to pull more and more or get closer to each of those outside of just ourself. Well, in that, that's interesting because you said, you know, self and then family, friends, community, animals. So the next category is relationships. And so I would ask that same question that as you look at your own values relationally and what you are striving for in your relationships, how would you define that? I am actually very careful about this as of late, because I do think that my one of my most central roles is as a stoicism communicator and that is the role that I fulfill as a podcaster on practical stoicism and as a writer and as a speaker. That is my 
that is one of my most central roles. And so having too many uh, friends is, you know, that's a very, that, that can, that can put me at odds with what I view to be my more central role. Uh, so let's say when I look to form personal relationships, what I put at the forefront of that decision is who can I walk alongside in a helpful and meaningful way? And if I can't do that, and if that person is perhaps not interested in that, then perhaps that is not the relationship I should be trying to prioritize to become, you know, that's not the relationship I should be trying to form because it's not actually going to be helpful to that other person. I think we live in a world where, you know, everybody's got a million Facebook friends. I think I might be the only person I know who's only got like 25 Facebook friends, <laughs> but the circles of concern are not, and Kai Whiting says this, it's not an invitation to have a million friends. It's an invitation to have friends that you can actually be beneficial and helpful with and who can actually help you grow and, and self-reflect. Um, Seneca says something in, I want to say letter 39 or 49, he talks to Lucilius, who he's writing this letter to. Uh, these are the moral letter, the moral epistulas of, um, of Seneca. Seneca's letters is what it's usually known as, or what is what it's broadly known as. Uh, and he says, listen, fella, you can't be by yourself because you're not virtuous yet. Mm. And when you're by yourself, you're going to just, you're just going to marinate in your own, in your own nonsense because you don't know any better. So you should seek out a crowd, but you also have to be careful in the crowd because while you're at less of a risk of marinating in your own wrong assumptions or poor impressions and assenting, right? While you're at less of a risk of doing that, now you're at risk of, now you're at risk of group think and not thinking for yourself and just going along with what's popular because you're part of the crowd. And so what he does is he kind of rides the middle. If you're not, if you're not a sage yet, if you're just a Pakopton, and you, you definitely want to avoid the crowd, but you can't be alone. Then what you need are, you need to put somebody in your life who you're embarrassed or ashamed to act poorly around. Hmm. He says something like, if you, if you put, uh, if you put someone in your life who even the most reckless person, he doesn't, I think he says the most wretched person would check their shortcomings around if they were in front of them, have friends like that yeah. or have people like that in your mind. So I, I think in that instance, he's actually talking about Cato, who I think is dead at that, but I'm pretty sure is dead at that point. He says, you know, it doesn't have to be a real person, but you can appoint someone as guard over your thoughts. Someone like Cato, who uh, Seneca, for what it's worth, all actually thought was a sage, was a Stoic sage. Whether or not that's the case is up for debate, but that is what Seneca thought of him. Uh, and so the idea is that we want to we have friends whom we can be a benefit to, whom can be a benefit to us, not in this selfish give and take tit for tat kind right. of way, but in a, you know, friendship and stoicism means something very specific. These friends that we have online, while it's not true that we have no feeling for them or we have no concern for them, that's not really friendship. Uh, friendship has a lot of responsibilities with it, uh, whether you are the person being friended or the person doing the friending. Uh, and and I, I think I take that very seriously in forming personal relationships these days because because I guess I know better now than I knew when I was you know, 25 or so. I appreciate you saying that. I find myself checking my vernacular a lot when I start to talk and reference somebody and say, oh, yeah, so I've got this friend. And you know what? They're an acquaintance. We met once. It was good, but I, a friend, 
which is not to say anything negative about the relationship, right? That's okay. But, but, but it's all, remember we talked about stoicism having very specific language and having a very high specificity to the words that are used. Well, friend is one of those highly specific will mean something. Yeah. It doesn't just mean someone who, you know, likes your Instagram account. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths, according to the EPA the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and air doctor is just the best. Air doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Kevin. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. 
I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. It feels like we need to give another term because, and give it more gravity because yeah, you've got 5,000 friends on Facebook is what it's literally called. And yet I don't know most of them. So it's a different, it's almost kind of like differentiating, you know, love. Oh, I love my spouse and Oh dude, I love chocolate. Is it the same love? Uh, so I appreciate that you talking about marinating in, you know, in your own stuff. I'll never forget one of my kids. They saw the latest matrix, the four, I think it's the fourth one. Right. And they said, yeah, it was pretty good, but they kind of got lost in their own sauce. That's what you just got me thinking of with <laughs> marinating yeah. in my own sauce, which by the yeah. way, you yeah. talked about in part one, having a movie club as part of your, uh, so that's mm-hmm. at stoicpod.com slash discord. And you've got a stoicism pod. Stoicism pod. Thank you. I thought I was, I thought I was nailing it. Stoicism pod, uh, com slash discord. And in that community, a movie club, man, when you guys do that with Lord of the Rings or the matrix or something, I'm in, I don't know Harry Potter so well, you get into those guys. I'm, (laughs) I'm I think our next one is going to be from, uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, in the, I want to say it was the very late nineties or very early two thousands. It's called gross point blank. And it was just such a good movie. So we're going to, I'm going to see if stoicism ruins that movie for me. Gross. But I know the name, but I don't, the, I don't know that I know this. I'll, I'll pull it up. Okay. So it's got uh, John Cusack, Joan Cusack, and it actually has uh, his other sister whose name I'm failing to remember now, but it's a great, it's a great movie. A guy uh, leaves his girlfriend at prom night and goes off and it becomes an assassin for the CIA. He's like a spook is what they're called. And he comes back for his high school reunion. And it's kind of like a re-meeting the girl while having to avoid assassins who are trying to kill him. And then he has to do a job while he's there. Uh, it's a, it's a dark comedy, but uh, it's a really good one. It's one of my more favorite films, but we were talking about uh, circles of concern yeah and in fact the movie club and the discord are a way of me doing that if you imagine me as the center and then movie club and then the general discord and then the podcast these are all attempts of trying to get people closer to me to do more for them and accepting them you know where they want to stop some people just want to listen to the podcast and that's the end of it and that's okay if that's as far as they want to go and some people want to come to the discord and, and talk a little bit that's heard, a jet. I'm sorry. Was uh, it? I heard it? that. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. We'll, we'll let it roll. Like you did. I, I saw, I listened to your last show and you had a, it was an alarm that went off <laughs> and I thought, really, he's just going to leave that in. And you said, yeah, folks, this is live TV. And you just ran with it. So we'll go. <laughs> well, I actually thought it was a funny way of introducing the ads. In the <laughs> I break. noticed yeah. that it came right at perfect time. Maybe this actually we're right at 17 minutes. We may be dead on. We'll see. Uh, well, Hey, health and wellness is the next one here. And, uh, if I heard correctly and I, I must've been in that show, are you, uh, are you vegan? I am. Well, see, this is hard because people so much want to put 
they want to put labels on things. Uh-huh. So what what I think of myself as is an ethical eater. So uh-huh. I'm not a vegan. I'm something that's closer to a vegetarian. But my <laughs> my neighbor recently told me I was a flexitarian, which irritated me just because I was did, like, oh, did, there's a label for that. that that's too. what we use. My wife yeah. said that's what oh, we are now because we went from vegan to vegetarian and now we're flexitarian. So I got that one too. So welcome to the club. So, well, essentially, so one of the problems with philosophy in general is that, and it's not a problem, it's actually great, but the deeper you get into it, and this is probably true of any, of also spiritual faith or, or, or a religion as well, the further you get into it, the more you realize you think you're doing it, but you're not really doing it. Huh. And so something that I realized early on in my deeper studies of Stoicism was that uh, part about what is appropriate and what is moral, given, given what you know. Hmm. So I looked at my consumption of meat products and I thought, you know, I don't have a problem with the fact that an animal dies. Everyone dies. That that's, It's an indifferent to me as to when I die uh, or when a cow dies. But what is not an indifferent to me is whether or not I'm allowed to live according to my nature and whether or not a cow is allowed to live according to their nature. And I think that anyone who's ever seen, you know, Meet Your Meat or one of those terrible documentaries where yeah. – You've just got these animals that are packed shoulder to shoulder. They keep, they feed cows uh, hormones to be constantly pregnant all the time. And that's just like, that doesn't feel like allowing a living thing to live according to its nature. And Stoics are really big on that. Uh, And so I was confronted with, look, I say I'm practicing Stoicism here, but I'm kind of sweeping this under the rug as if it doesn't exist and it's not problematic. So I be, I, first I started as I did like a few months of being straight vegetarian, uh, just as a way of kind of breaking habits. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I kind of, I returned from that and said, look, there's a responsible way for me to consume these things. Because like I said, it's not a problem to me that cows die or are used as food. I'm okay with that. So long as they're allowed to live according to their nature, whatever a cow's nature is. And I think that that's something like, you know, grazing free and not being locked up, locked to a thing and kept constantly pregnant and being kept from their calves and stuff like that. I think that that's very nice. And if I can find a source for those sorts of things, then I'm okay with that. So I'm not a vegetarian. I'm an I don't eat meat if I don't know where it comes from kind of person for those reasons. Uh, and I think one of our both of us have a sponsor, ButcherBox. Yeah. Who I heard your they, ad. They, yeah. Yeah, they do that, and they also, as it happens, have vegan uh, patties and burgers, which I also use. So, so when you can find a, a source for things like that as a Stoic that you're comfortable with and that you can ethically reason yourself through, then I don't have a problem eating meat. I just have a problem with like, um, you used a great term actually in your ad read that I might have to borrow, but it was uh, consumerized or commercialized meat. I can't remember what you said, but I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's this whole mechanism of meat production at all costs. Yeah. And that just doesn't feel good. Agreed. Well, I jumped into that and, you know, I'll I'll back up on health and wellness to ask you the overall values. So again, I just listened to your most recent episode where you were interviewed by one of your listeners and you mentioned just going along the journey of your life and through some of those tumultuous times of being like, oh my gosh, I got really overweight. And, you know, and then there, so it looked like that was a, well, so I'll, I'll come in that angle and say, so where do you, when you look at your own health and wellness and your pursuit of, of stoicism and life, where are your values for where you want your health and wellness to be? Oh, that's great. So this is something we've actually recently talked about on the discord and on an upcoming fireside chat that I'm having with Kai. So there are two things that are true. Your physical health 
is an indifferent to your ability to build virtue, right? You can be fat and weak and all those things, and you can still be a virtuous person. However, like I said, that mirror aspect, and I'm still working through this. I just started kettlebell training a few weeks ago, and like I'm, I'm, I'm really trying. But the other part of that is if I don't care about my physical health, if I don't care about my fitness, if I don't care about my mental health, what does that say about my character? Which is that useful thing to continuously ask myself. And probably even to anybody who's not a stoic, it's a good thing to ask themselves. And the answer that I came back with was, well, if I don't care about my health, that doesn't say anything very kind about my character, I don't think. And then the question is, would the stoic sage care about their health? And the answer I came back with was, yes, they probably would. Yeah. Uh, and even though they would recognize that you don't have to have a six pack and be able to do, you know, like whatever those special pull-ups are where you get over the bar, you know, or you don't have to do a million burpees or whatever, they would probably say that someone to care nothing about their fitness or their overall health, that that was not a very virtuous position that didn't speak of a good character. Uh, and so having realized that some months ago at this point, I mean, like a year ago at this point, I have been making a concerted effort to eat better, eat more responsibly, try to be more physically active. That's hard in the role of a philosopher, right? We do a lot of sitting, mm -hmm. <laughs> we do a lot of reading, and we do a lot of writing and podcasting. So uh, it is a, it's a constant struggle. Uh, men in my family are, we're Scottish, and my dad and my grandfather used to say that men in our family are built like barrels. We're the same width that our ass as we are at our <laughs> chest, right? We're yeah. just, that's how we are. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some of it is fighting those genetics, but another part of it is, is defining what healthy is. Yeah. And for me, it's, you know, a certain, a certain a, a amount of flexibility, physical flexibility, mm. um, a certain amount of range of motion, like a certain, you know, you go on walks, you eat good food. It's not a weight. It's not a look. It's not a certain amount of muscle. It's a, it's a state of health. And that is pretty much determined by my doctor. I, I let the experts take it on, on in that case. Is so is there in eating responsibly? So that, talks about where the food is sourced, but then with that, are you primarily like a, you're trying to stick with, you know, primarily vegetables, less meat, you know, the whole carb thing. Are you trying to mess with that? So I do meat is kind of at this point, meat has become something that might be a meal or three a month and otherwise used to flavor dishes. It's usually no longer the star of the dish. Got it. Uh, so a, a much lighter approach to using it in my cooking. Uh, and a lot of the rest of what I do is, you know, eggs, uh, vegetarian patties, vegan patties. Um, some of the danger of that, of course, is that that's carb heavy stuff. Right? Yeah. So you have to be, you have to keep your physic physicality up a bit. And I, that's why I started the kettlebell training and such, because after three months of doing straight vegetarian, as someone who didn't really know how to eat vegetarian and isn't a great cook, that caused some. You know, go, <laughs> yeah, yeah I've known some people. I went, I went vegan, <laughs> and I lived on mac and cheese now. And, yeah, and I and I gained ten pounds, right? yeah, so that didn't work. Yeah, totally, totally. So ke you said kettlebell. Anything else you're doing ex from an exercise standpoint, a movement standpoint? Yep, I try to do. Um, I try to do yoga with my. I, I keep mentioning Kai Whiting. He's a mentor of mine, a co-author of the book we're working, a couple of books we're working on, uh, and he also co-hosts my show from time to time. Uh -huh. uh, usually on uh, actually Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, or Thursdays and Fridays. And 
uh, so I do yoga with him uh, via video conference because he lives in Newcastle and I'm here in the States. So I'll do yoga daily or every other daily. It depends on what both of our schedules look like. I try to take at least one good one mile, two mile long walk with the dog a couple times a week. I'm not terrific at that because you get stuck at the you get stuck at the computer as a podcaster and a writer and such. Uh, and then I do I'm doing the kettlebell training. So that is I feel like that is a a effort towards my health that is reflective of someone with a decent character. Well, so let's follow the same thread into mental health, which you mentioned as well. So mind, mental health, I, I, I really like to look at even the mental state that you want to find yourself with, which goes back to our first discussion on stoicism being, or the question of that being a, or you even brought up Christianity, a mindset, you know, but the mindset that we do want to be in, it feels very much uh, a focal point of stoicism. So what do you, well, asking what you value feels like that's what we've been talking about is the value, but I'll still ask you to say that from a mental health standpoint that you're upholding your own mental health values in what way? I think primarily knowing when to stop during the day mm. and trying to get enough sleep. Those are the things that seem to be most important to me. Now, I also suffer from ADHD, uh, so I shouldn't say suffer from. I guess it's just a thing that I have to deal with. Uh, and so I take a natural supplement uh, for that, and I take care of my mental health that way in, a, in that kind of way. Uh, but then also sleeping, I try to get nine hours a day of sleep, which can be difficult. I try to get at least a minimum of seven because I can really feel I can really feel the difference between nine hours and six hours. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'm getting to that age where that is more apparent now. I used to be able to drink all day and wake up on time the next day, and I can't do that anymore. Uh, and another part of it is, like I said, knowing when to quit and knowing when to stop working. So I have begun to take on this habit of uh, going to bed at nine, waking up nine hours later, and then working until 10 and saying if the if the high level deliverables aren't done by 10 a.m too bad they're getting done tomorrow like that's just i had to make that cut off of my day or else i would i'm the kind of person who's prone to work the entire day i i will sit at my computer from 5 a.m to 5 p.m and then later right i'll have dinner and then i'll come back and i'll sit back down and do more work uh, which is part of probably part of why I've been successful in different aspects of my life in the past, but also not sustainable in the long term. And I've begun to realize that over the last couple of years. Um, and then knowing that I need to make time for those walks and that workout and those kinds of things. Yeah. It's the ADHD. Um, maybe that's a podcasting thing because yeah, that's my, uh, I have that one too, uh, to work with. And I, you know, I appreciated you talked about it was actually a different job you had in tech, but that you had found something that seemed to meet that somewhat. You got to be involved in a lot of things. And I appreciate that with, yeah, if we're going to have a decent podcast, there's so many moving parts. It seems like there's more every day. So can, can uh, we, but can we talk about the worst part of it? Tell me just, just so anybody with ADHD listening can be like, Oh, so this isn't just me. <laughs> we, we tend to be a little, we tend to be kind of smart, right? We tend to be smart enough that we can procrastinate right to the last second and then get everything done. 
And then we're like, I don't need to not procrastinate. Look how good I am at getting everything done at the last sec because I'm so smart. It's this vicious negative loop. It, <laughs> and did, I have spent years breaking it. I know. That's my life. Absolutely. It, literally, I've got a, uh, well, she's a relatively new assistant, but we keep giving her more and more responsibilities. And the one right now is she's literally to take, you know, like the ad deadlines and the show deadlines. And I said, Cindy, I don't want to know. Don't, don't let me know when they are. You tell me when they are and make sure that they're at least a week out. Uh, a week ahead of time. Otherwise we just keep running into trouble. Cause yeah, I'm deadline driven. Totally. Um, I, and I appreciate your sleep. I, I should have asked that in the health and wellness aspect of that. I, you know, I was a pro athlete, so sleep was key then. And I just kept that man. If I don't get, if I get less than eight hours, uh, you know, which we can look at that too on quality of obviously I can get nine hours of really crappy sleep, but assuming that it's decent quality, I'm with you. Eight to nine is my happy place. If I look at my wearable device and it says I'm averaging eight twenty, eight thirty, uh, eight and a half, I'm, I'm doing well. And, and I think runners and cyclists are really particular about this. And there's so, and they're so, they've got it so well figured out. I used to work with a guy who's a cyclist down in, uh, I want to say New South Wales and the amount of science that went into his sleep was incredible. It, it was really, it was really wild to hear him talk about it on his podcast, but we're, I guess we're digressing. Well, no, I actually, I want to stay here because I was going to come back to podcasting because when we look at sleep and health and wellness and our, our mental state, I am aware and I would imagine you're going to, uh, you'll resonate with this too. We sit down at the computer to create, you're creating a show, you're creating content. And to do that, to, if I am lacking in my mental capacity, physical capacity, I'm lacking sleep. I, yeah, as you talked about drank too much, ate crap, whatever. Dude, that's the first thing to go. My creative thinking. And I end up just having to ditch it and realize I, I, I just can't. So I'll just go to email. This is just going to be a busy work day because I don't have the mental capacity. I have to protect that now. Hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I don't just do the Practical Stoicism podcast daily. I also do the Sleep Stories podcast daily. So, in addition to the books we're writing, the two podcasts we're producing, uh, the Discord we're hosting. I mean, it, it gets yeah, it's easy to one one misstep in managing your sleep or your diet or your mental health or whatever. And it is just, it's a disaster. It, yeah. it could be a real disaster. Well, and I know you're diving into the book with a, you know, with a, a big publisher and that's been eye opening for me, the amount of steps. I, I didn't know that when we look at self publishing or going with a big publisher now on when I'm telling people to look at the pros and cons, if you go with a big publisher, man, the amount of details that you're going to have to fulfill is uh, 10 times, if not more. Uh, well, work speaking on these terms, next category, work, career, business, you know, your vocation and it's this good timing for you. And it is for most of the people I have on the show. They're in the midst of things that are going well, a podcast, a book, speaking, whatever it may be. So you got a lot of things to pick from. And you just said that one of your, actually you, you said knowing when to stop, I would imagine knowing what to say no to is primary as well. So there's my preface, but you tell me values. When you look at your work right now, what is, what bubbles to the surface? Well, as far as struggles bubble to the surface, uh, it's, uh, I am by my nature designed, I think to always say yes. I think that the idea of not being there for somebody is just so difficult for me to, to deal with. Uh, and it's been a real, an ongoing effort. I'm still making it to know when to say, Hey, 
I, I, I really can't, I can't respond. I still respond to every email I get to give you an idea of, I mean, we have 300,000 listeners to the show. And, and, and if I get a, if I get 10 emails a day, I'm responding to 10 emails a day. And I have begun recently because we brought on a personal assistant to kind of hand that over to the personal assistant and, and, but it hurts yeah. so bad to do that. But if I don't do it, then I can't do the other more important things. So I think that in relationship to that sort of thing, the thing that's helped me to get through that difficulty is learning that I need to prioritize the things which are that do them, that have the most benefit to the most people. And if that means that a couple of individuals have to get not pushed off in a, I don't care kind of way, but if they have to take a lower priority and be dealt with by somebody else, for example, or be dealt with just in two weeks instead of right now today, then that, that is, that is actually better for more people. And so that's the thing I should be, that's the thing I should be trying to do. And that is, I I will admit, easily that that is a struggle. That's a huge struggle for me. Well, I was going to ask about that because you talked about your discord community, 600 people. Uh, my, one of my past endeavors was a big online community and it in and of itself was very successful. It was great all around. And I burnt myself out by trying to be, I, I mean, I got chastised for it and I still didn't back off that I was Johnny on the spot, man, you got a question. And I'm like, cause I felt responsible and I didn't want to delegate that off and I burnt myself out, which wasn't good for anyone. So I feel you. percent man and then you get that one star review where somebody confirms all your fears and how terrible you are and you're like no yes i knew i should have answered those emails yeah absolutely nailed you all right next one is money finances wealth and i'll even put in possessions uh these days i I do that i actually added that into my book as part of that in this category of talk so when you look at that aspect uh what again values tell me tell me your values there well, I don't have a lot of things. I don't know. And I think that part, part of that is probably that uh, I'm just not minded that way. I, I have a nature of my partner gets mad at me all the time because this is something I'll do frequently. I'll be like, oh, winter's over. I don't need any of these clothes anymore. I should just donate them and just buy new clothes. Yeah. And she's like, well, you don't have any clothes. You, bar- you barely have any clothes. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't like these clothes anymore. And somebody else could use them. So like, I don't think most people are – I think I'm abnormal. So I think there's a, a disposition I have that huh. finds me having, you know, I've got a computer. I've got a lot of books. Seems to be my weakness is books. Uh, um, I like to collect old out-of-print books. But as far as like toys – fancy things. I don't have those things, but I don't think it's because I've tried not to have them. I think it's just because that is my default. Some people's default is to hoard things. So I, I, and I'm saying that to not make myself seem like I'm a saint just because I don't have a lot of things, but physical possessions are not really my thing. Uh, As far as money, I'm I'm actually a pretty hardcore capitalist. I'm a huge fan of uh, business and entrepreneurship. But what I did before this was uh, I was a consultant within the larger media world. Um, before that, I owned a recording studio. Before that, I owned a managed services provider, um, which is a t- basically a tech company. And I'm a huge fan of making money, and I love money, and I view money as an indifferent, right? Like it's a thing that I, it's a thing that has no impact on my virtue. But if I pursue it and I have it, and I have a, and I am working towards a virtuous character, then there are some things I can do 
for the Cosmopolis, various nonprofits, for uh, people in my family, for people I don't even know. For for example, my partner also got a little frustrated with me the other day because I got stopped on the way to dinner um, by someone from the Nature Conservancy. And she, you know, she had a little iPad and she was trying to get people to sign up for, I think it was like $30 a month or something to support nature initiatives. And one thing she said during her pitch that really caught my ear was that I think that by 2025, they would have conserved enough area uh, across the world that were identified as nature areas that you couldn't, you know, build on or whatever, Mm -hmm. that, that we would be. I think the word she used was nature was net nature positive or something so that we were actually adding more green space uh, to the planet than we were taking away from it. And I thought, man, that's something that I would like to be involved in. And because I am someone who uh, values, not necessarily values the, the accruing of wealth, but who is comfortable with pursuing the accruing of wealth. And so I have some money to be disposable with. I thought, yes. And so now I support that initiative. I uh, probably have more than I should, but, <laughs> but, but, the, but that's okay. And that's great. Uh, so I look at money as a preferred indifferent because I would prefer to have it because I can do things with it that I think are useful. Uh, and so I, I value money. I said earlier that I love money. That's probably not the greatest terminology, but I'm a fan of it because it, I feel like I can use it to do helpful things. That's uh, what I heard that you love what money enables you to do and to, and in understanding your context. Now, if that aligns with virtue, then I would put that as a net positive. Right. And you know, the other, the opposite could be true. If I was addicted to gambling or something and I had a bunch of money, then that would be what we would call in stoicism, a dispreferred indifferent. We would not want Tanner to have money if he was a gambling addict. Yeah. Fair. Category here is your personal interest. And the way that I have, I frame this is interest that may not be in and of themselves productive. So these are the things that you do that just give you joy, that inspire you, that you may do to give yourself energy, even though the thing by itself may not look like it is, you know, you're, you're not creating something new and it's, it's not, again, productive is my, my favorite word to use to play with, to start with. I don't know that I have a lot of these, um, once a month. Okay. So here's an example. Uh, I have a Nintendo switch. I'm probably the only man alive with a Nintendo. I don't know if that's true, but, (laughs) uh, Every, every now and then a game franchise will come out with a new version of itself. It's called uh, Zelda or Mario. If either one of those games come out as a brand new release, then I'll buy it and I'll play it and then I'll, I'll, I'll beat it and then I'll never play it again. So, so that is not necessarily <laughs> yeah. productive, but it's something that I do for, I guess, for very rare <laughs> touch and go fun. Cause I, like I said, it's only when a new game comes out right now, it's covered in probably an inch of dust because yeah. no new games have come out recently. Uh, so I'll play games, but not very frequently at all. And I do get a lot of reward in writing and thinking through things. Uh, for example, when we launched our Substack like 10 days ago, I think, I, I think I've already written like eight articles <laughs> because I get like there's a certain amount of fulfillment I get from working through ideas. Yeah, I, I kind of, and I get criticized for this sometimes because some of the writing I do, I view writing as a way of exploring how correct or incorrect I am about something. Mm. So I like to write out in the open. Mm. 
and have it ripped apart if something's wrong, because that actually helps me in the long term. And I kind of enjoy that back and forth of learning. So the, the writing is definitely part of it. And what else would I say? I, I really like to go out to eat dinner. Maybe that sounds really weird. Uh-uh. No, it's perfect. There's a little uh, Italian restaurant right next to us. It's like two blocks up and one block over. It's called Shells and Sauce. And it's just a little neighborhood Italian restaurant. And the bartender there is, his name's Jose, and he's great. And I, I've made friends with him. And I like the people there. And I like to just sit there and have a beer and eat my dinner. And I, that's that that fills me in some way physically and mentally. Uh, and then travel. I, re- I really like to travel. And, and it doesn't have to be... You know, it doesn't have to be really opulent travel like Portugal we were talking about earlier or anywhere that people would think of as like a va- as a vacation. I, for example, when I went to Podcast Movement, which is when I first met our shared network, Glassbox, I drove. I didn't have to drive. I live in Denver. There's an airport that goes right to, right to where the event was in Texas. But I wanted to drive because I like being out on the road by myself for some reason. That makes me feel good. I like being alone a lot, too, which is contradictory a bit to... Uh, liking to go out to eat and talk to the bartender and the people who go there in the neighborhood. I also really like to be alone. Um, probably maybe more than I should, maybe more than I should be. Uh, but there's something about being able to just talk to myself uh, and have a night, you know, that crazy drive from New Mexico to, te- to Amarillo, Texas is like nothing for, for hours and hours. And I love that drive, even though I do sometimes worry that, my car is going to break down halfway through and I'm going to have a long walk ahead of me. Fair. Well, I wonder, I mean, I, I as well recharge that's alone is when I recharge, appreciate the social aspects, but I recharge it. But I, I, I wonder again to the creative side, it feels like it takes more, it just takes more space for me to really get down the rabbit hole. It takes me, it takes some space and, uh, that doesn't come by easily. Yeah. No, especially when you're creating a podcast every day and, and man, you know, all the things that we do as podcasters, it's, it can be hard to find alone time. So, so I really value it. I think it's important. to my I, mental I got a, a kind of a wrap up, interesting thought question here. Cause when we look at these, these are basically set or these are seven categories. They are you know, spiritual relationships, health and wellness, mind, mental health, work and career, money finances. And then I put that on, you know, personal interests, seven areas. And I'm thinking about it within the stoic context of, I haven't thought about it this way, but I, I, I guess I think about them as roles. These are roles of life. These are categories of life that I have roles within and how do I view those? I haven't thought about it that way. Does that resonate at all? Do I, how do I view those and what is my virtue in each of those categories? I could go through and think about that differently, actually. I think that you're onto something. I, I wouldn't say that uh, it's necessarily stoic in the most formal sense. Okay. But, but I think that we do have a personal role to our physical health and our mental health because if we are in poor health, if we are in poor mental health or physical health, it might be true that as a result, we cannot, for example, we we talked much earlier about waking up on time for our job, right? And if we don't get great sleep, we're not eating well, we're not going to bed on time, uh, or we're overindulging or whatever it is we might be doing or not be doing, then that has a direct result on our roles. And I think definitely that unplugging and recharging is 
is the other side of that, right? I, I have a duty to do X, Y, Z for others, for the community, uh, for my immediate family and, and such, a circles of concern again. But I also have a responsibility to myself, right, who is right at the center of that circle, for the same reason that you put on an air, you know, an, an oxygen supply mask on yourself before you put it on somebody else in an airplane. So, so I definitely think that I have to do some research to know if the ancient Stoics would, would have agreed with that. But I think there's, I think there's something there. And I think that somebody who has a virtuous character or is approaching a virtuous character definitely considers their own mental health and physical health to the extent that it affects their other responsibility. I, th- I think you've got something there. Huh. Interesting, man. Thank you. Uh, well, appreciate you just sharing candidly and uh, that gives more context, obviously on you, but also the stoic way, if we can give it a term uh, of that, man, thank you. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for the time. And uh, it's been a gift, Tanner. Appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Well, friends, that was Tanner Campbell. You can tune in again to his Practical Stoicism podcast wherever you get your podcast and get Tanner's daily Stoic meditations, commentary, and guidance. I want to remind you, June 15, 16 of 2023, I'm going to be in Dallas to attend and speak at the Ziegler Coach Summit. If you're looking to influence people for the better professionally and personally, I invite you to join us. First in people who register and say you heard it about heard about the, the, the topic from me, about the event from me, I'm taking you to dinner. Go to Ziggler.com slash Coach Summit. Thank you for tuning in to this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. Stay driven, my friends.